I'm, I'm loud enough that I echo just a little naturally in here, but it didn't echo nearly enough. Again, welcome to worship here at Springfield Church of the Brethren. It is Sunday, December the 18th. Welcome all who are here and those who are joining us online. Our scriptures today are John 3, 16, 17, and 15, 9 through 17. Uh, the Pew Bible markings on the screen are not right. I forgot to update that, but they are on pages uh, 752 and 765. So I guess I was half right. <laughs> 316, one you probably all know by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. From 15. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love, if you obey my commands. For you will return in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that, you may, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love no one has than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do as I command. I, am no longer, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love one another. Blessed is the word. Man. So I'm on this Facebook group called Things They Don't Teach You in Seminary. It's a group for pastors. There are, last I checked, 15.9 thousand of us on that group, though I don't think all of us have, all check in all the time. But it's a pretty big group where, where we, we share with each other inspirational um, stories Thoughts about scriptures, um, sometimes just the vent, or asking dumb questions that we, aren't, we don't know the answer to. Like, like for instance, uh, a couple years ago, we made a switch here where we started uh, recording with a new CD player, and the problem was every time there was a two-second silence, which happens a lot when I speak, uh, especially like, say, the, the morning prayer, it would start a new track. And so we would have like 100 tracks before we even got to the sermon, and then it would stop recording, which was a problem. So we started digital, and that's what we do today. We plug a USB in there, and, and it didn't work right either. And so I asked, you know, I'm, I'm getting these skips where it's like it's going along, and then there's like jumping 30 seconds into farther into the the sermon, like, or whatever, like, there's 30 seconds missing. It's not silent, it's a jump. And someone immediately said, oh, you've got the wrong USB, you've got a USB 2, 
but it's built for USB type three and it doesn't upload, it can't download fast enough. It, it was stuff I have no idea about. I still barely know about and I'm a digital native, almost digital native, but anyway. You know, it's, it's really helpful for those kinds of things. Sometimes it's just a safe place for pastors to vent to other pastors. And uh, when I was on the other day, I saw an interesting post that really got me thinking because I was sitting there with a blank manuscript in front of me, not knowing what to write today. And the complaint was, I am really tired of Advent. Here's the thing. And they, they went on and through the discussion, it, it came out. It's like, I love Advent. We love the season. I love, you know, the pastors generally love Christmas time in terms of, of the traditions, the music, the fun. But it means every year we have to write four, some, four sermons on the exact same four topics. And this last Sunday is the worst. And you know what I can do? You know, peace and joy and hope. You know what? I don't talk about those every week, but I talk about love almost every single week. I mean, that is how we define Christianity. Christianity is a tradition about love. I have talked about love ad nauseum. Enough that I'm throwing in Latin. I don't even know Latin, I just know ad nauseum. You know, we, and, and you know, I've done so many sermons, I know I've more than once have talked about the different versions of love in Greek. You know, we, we tell, I tell stories about love out of my own life. Can, you know, how do we understand the love of God? Well, it's like love of my child, love for my spouse, love for my parents, love for my friends. You know, we, we, we find all these ways to describe love, and, and you come to this Sunday that is supposed to be about the love of God in its most pure form, and it's like, I've already talked about this. Mm. And so, as I thought about it, I was like, but all these ways we talk about it, they always fall flat. That is, that's the problem. Human, human language, human minds, we can't grasp the kind of love that comes from God. And I'm going to try my best, and I'm going to still fall flat because there is no way I can do it. But I would like to push us just a little bit on how we think about it in a different direction. And it all goes down to one of the Questions I always fear people will ask me. What is this whole Trinity thing? There is a reason that the Church of the Brethren avoids these high theology talks like the plague. <laughs> because the answers are always kind of end up being like this. We don't know. It's a mystery. It just works. There are three and there is one, and somehow the three and the one are one, and yet the three are also separate. You know what? It doesn't really 
change how I live my day-to-day -day life, right? I mean, I'm imagining it doesn't for you. Whether, you know, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And, okay, so, so there's a lot of bad ways that we describe it. And I kind of went down a rabbit hole this week because I think these are, 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 are fun and interesting. There, there is the most... Um, oh, man. I can think... I remember the second one. I can't remember the first one now. I'll go to modalism. There is modalism. Modalism is, is a pretty common way we hear it. Modalism is like saying... God, the, the, the creator, the sustainer, the redeemer, or the creator, redeemer, sustainer, Father, Father Son, Holy Spirit, um, is like H2O. H2O can appear as solid, as liquid, or as gas, right? It all depends on the situation. What is the temperature? What is the pressure? You know, depending on our situation, we encounter God as one of the three. We encounter God, you know, on, on you know, whatever the situation. We, we are listening to a beautiful piece of music, and we feel the movement of the Spirit in us. You know, we, we are in our lowest moment, and we can feel, we can feel the Father's arms around us. We, we are struggling because we have done something wrong and we, are remind, we feel Jesus telling us, it's okay, you are forgiven. But here's the thing. Modalism can't work because it means that you encounter one or the other, but they're never all the same. They're three, it's one in three different ways. Now, so for instance, another way to think of modalism is I am my parent's child, my wife's spouse, my children's father. However, not even in West Virginia can I be somebody's child, spouse, and parent. Not even in West Virginia. There's my good West Virginia joke for the week. You know, you can only be one or the other. And that's the problem with modalism. It says, you know, that God is not all three at the same time, but rather only one at a time. And therefore, and Jesus is on earth, therefore God the Father cannot exist because Jesus the Son is here. There's also partialism. There, I remember the word. Partialism is the other one we all hear. That's the three-leaf clover idea. You know, the, the three leaves make the one plant. Or, I think an even better way to put it is the egg. The egg, if you ignore the albumin and whatnot, there's the shell, the white, and the yolk. And all three come together to form an egg. They are separate, but they are combined into one thing. Now, this, of course, is a problem because what happens when, let's say, Jesus, the egg white, goes down to earth? Well, is it still an egg if you have yolk and shell? No. Partialism basically will then fall apart because that means that all three have to be together in order for God to be God. There's lots of other of these. There's, there's a really, really funny video of two Irishmen laying into to St. Patrick. If you ever want to look it up, St. Patrick, bad Trinity theology, you'll find it. You know, of all the ways that we have badly tried to describe this, and we do it without even thinking. I mean, how easy is it to think? I mean, it's, it's built even into the Bible because the Bible struggles to tell us this relationship between God 
and God and God. I mean, we say that Jesus is the begotten Son of God, of the Father. But if that's the case, think about it. Then that means that Jesus isn't God, but a creation of God. This is once we start parsing things out in a logical manner. But how else would you describe at the same time? God knows we can't. We can't understand this, so we do our best. I like the general brethren way of doing this is saying, you know what? Don't worry about it. God is love. Okay, this is problem two. <laughs> Think about this. Okay, so, so yeah, there's, there's such a thing as self-love, and self-love is important. But when we think about, self, about God and love, we don't think about self-love. We think about agape. Enough that when I say agape, I don't have to describe agape to you all, because we've all said it enough. You know, the love that is self, that the love that is sacrificial, the love of loving someone else and being willing to put ourselves in danger for them. That is the love of God, the love that every one of us is called to. If God is love, then could God exist before creation? Think about this. Applying logic here. Is this the kind of thing they would do in our, our theology classes? I'm not meaning, and you're not needing to answer this because honestly, in the end, it's a mystery. But think about it. If God is love, this perfect love, this self-sacrificing for others love, how could God exist before there was anything else to love? Right? Now, I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent and, and, and bring up a, a type of theology called process, which is heavily built into logic, which is one of the reasons I do well in process theology, because I like logic. But it says, well, therefore, God must be multiple. God is one and three. Because God had self-sacrificial love for the other parts that is God. Now, how that all works, I don't know. We don't know. And what does that say for us? It's saying that when we, we talk about this idea, you know, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We're going to pull out part of that. And we're going to reapply with the understanding that Jesus is not a lower being than God, but God, God's self. God so loved the world that God separated a part of God's self to come down and live our lives to be subservient to God's will, God's self, you know, despite living our world, understanding it on being willing to live that life still and to die for us. True self-sacrificialness. God came down for us. Now this actually does really well in terms of my own struggles with this. 
because I'm, I'm a father of three kids, three children. I, you know, two, two that are, are, I've watched every day growing like weeds. One who's at home today, super grumpy because apparently those teeth have been pushing or something. I don't know. He woke up screaming at us. Tylenol helped. I'm, I'm willing to step in front of someone else to help them out. Would any of you be willing to throw your child into that situation? I'm not seeing any raised hands. I'm not expecting to. But if we say that this is the best way we can understand is Jesus and, and God, the creator, you know, the sustainer, the redeemer and the creator of being as father and son, it makes it easy for us to understand. But I want to twist your way of thinking about it. It's like, no, it is God's God self. God has made this decision to come down and live this life, to die, to be sacrificed, to make things right between the God and the mundane. So, when Jesus, and I'm, I'm going to grab over here in my Bible here, pull up this verse again. So when Jesus is coming to the end of his time on earth, and he's talking to his, his, his now he calls them friends, not servants. If you remember, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay his life down for his friends. You are my friends. Then the Father will give you whatever asks. This is my command, love each other. The love that we are experiencing, this love that, that every Advent, I, along with pastors all over the country and world, are struggling to talk about this morning for, let me see, for me, this is the fourth time on an Advent. You know, I, I think of, of our, our more senior pastors who have been doing this for 40 years. This is their 40th Advent Sunday morning where they have to talk about love. We're all trying to come to this one thought, this one central thought to our faith that not only, not only was God willing to come and live and die for us, to love that deeply, to love so much that God forsook the spiritual realm to come down and live in the body in a manger. God did that in order to show what true faith is and to come to a bad end for it. And that is what we are called to do, to love that extreme, to step out of our comfort zones, to step out of our lives and put ourselves into whatever is not our normal area. 
out of the divine and into the mundane. We're already in the mundane, so we step from our whatever our current mundane is and step into the worst. God demands that we don't put our children into that, but to take part of our own lives and dedicate it to someone else. So, as we come to this last week, this last week before Christmas, as we sing the carols, as we bake cookies or ham or turkey or lamb, whatever your family traditionally does, we're doing turkey this year because, you know, we miss Thanksgiving. When you're doing all of that, surrounded by the people that you would be willing to die for in a moment, I'm sure, you know, those who you care for that deeply, remember that Christ not only came to do that for you, but calls you to live the kind of life to do that for others. It's a hard thought. But the way of God, the way of Christ, it's not the way of the world. So when you approach that manger to see this point in which divine and mundane have come together, and you follow that path, realize it's not the path of this world but the path of the divine. May you love as you have been loved by God. God came. God came for us. God came for the love of us. Three and one, one and three. How it works, it doesn't really matter. But the point is, that God, God's self, the divine one, has loved us. We humans, we humans who lie and cheat and hurt one another. We humans who love and hold and lift up one another. God came for us, for our love of us. And we are called to love. May your week and your life be filled with that. Amen.